Amen. Well, I didn't know we were going to go live until just a few minutes ago uh, when the Lord told me you're going to go live. So, I know He wants to say something this morning that is more than just the scope of our church and our local body here. Um, Let me pray. Let's pray together. Father, we worship you and praise you and we love you, Lord. We give you our yes, God, because we desire far more than what could ever be generated from us. I know that you use your children, but when they are in sync with you, when they are indwelt, By your Holy Spirit, there is a convergence that takes place when your children give a yes and you take over. There's a power that cannot be explained. There is a simplicity of you that becomes clear to those who seek it. Lord, I ask that you reveal what it is that you have this morning. What you want to say. What you want to have declared. I ask simply that your will be done. I give you my yes. I give you everything that I am. It is yours. Jesus, take it and do with it what you will. Give us eyes to see you. Give us ears to hear you. Send Waves of hope out to all those who will watch this. But I declare you will also send waves of fear to those who would deny you. Your will be done, Father. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. The last few days, I've been sitting with the Lord and just talking with Him as I always do. And, and you know the format has changed here, right? It's whatever the Lord wants to do, if He wants to give a word, if, if He wants us to worship the whole time. That's actually one of my favorites, Right? Whatever he wants to do is completely up to him, and that's what we desire. 
And a couple of days ago, he gave me this vision, but it, 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 it was a, an example, a metaphor. It, it, was, it was to show the difference of with or without his power. I was talking to him about, you know, Lord, which I've asked many times, what does it look like when your Holy Spirit falls? You know, which he has told us is something that the world has never seen before. You know, so how, that's kind of an ambiguous question to say, well, Lord, what does it look like when we have no concept to really wrap our arms around what that looks like? But it doesn't stop us from asking. Because <laughs> I, I keep asking, Lord, what does it look like? Like we know the turmoil that is coming. Which is funny because we know the turmoil that we're in. If, if you haven't had the news on at all, you know, it, it, let me tell you that Israel right now is at war. That Hamas has attacked them, not just in single terroristic acts here and there like they always have. But as of last night, and I don't know what the new number is today, but as of last night, Hamas had sent over 5,000 missiles into Israel. I know when I left for church this morning, the the dead count in Israel was over 600. And I, I'm not even sure what the wounded count was. I, I'm, I'm, the last I had seen was over 1,600. I don't know what it is now. But this is a bold move by Hamas. It's bold because they cannot stand up against Israel. They know they can't. So for them to take this action, something else is happening. It's something we should be aware of because it's something that we've been expecting. It's literally a boldness of the enemy because they think they have the leverage. Now when I say the enemy, I mean certainly the enemy in the spirit. Satanic forces that think they have the leverage, but they manifest in the physical. Why would Hamas do this? It's because they have very specific backing. It's not a secret. They're backed by Iran. In fact, Iran boldly claimed yesterday that they are behind this. Not a, not a big shock. The difference now versus several years ago or before is the feckless leadership that leads the world through this country, the United States. For whatever reason, Iran feels emboldened to be able to do what they did. And why should we be surprised when... September 11th of this year, we sent them $6 billion. 
Really? Now, this attack that began yesterday did not just pop up once we gave the money. It was long planned before that. In fact, and I'm just going to share my thoughts here, I believe part of that plan was to get those $6 billion. Because the $6 billion was not to put in place the original attack. Because that had to be in place long before just a month ago. This has been planned. This has been coordinated. This has been ready. Honestly, what I believe that $6 billion is for is to continue it. To keep it going. I'm really interested to see, because the UN Security Council, which I believe is, is it 28 nations or is it, might be less than that, can't remember how many nations it is, but the Liberty, or the uh, UN uh, Security Council is supposed to meet, I believe, today in regards to what's going on. The way they operate, all it takes is one member of the council to veto an action, and it doesn't happen. So let me play out a scenario for you. The U.S. has always been there to back Israel, right? And now you, you, you still hear those things that, you know, by the administration, well, we're, we're going to, you know, give them whatever backing they need, you know, uh, humanitarian, you know, food, this and that. You don't hear anything about military, which is interesting because Israel doesn't even need that. What they need is permission. They need permission because in a moment they could take care of Hamas. They could take Gaza over. They could take the Golan Heights. They could take all of that very matter-of-factly. The reason they don't and the reason they haven't is because of world opinion. That has a lot to do with us. Well, the interesting thing in my mind is Iran is linked with both China and Russia. What are they going to say in this Security Council meeting? I'm, I'm really interested to see. So I, I, I say all of this only because this shouldn't surprise us. The only thing that will be a huge surprise to most Americans will be when it happens on our soil. And it's coming. It's coming very quickly. You can't let almost 20,000 illegal foreigners into your country per day with no kind of vetting whatsoever of which a large percentage is military-age males, <laughs> and expect there not to be a problem. Really? You know, we're, we're a free country that has a Second Amendment, 
I can go out and I can buy a weapon, a gun, which I've done many times in my life. I have many, I won't even say how many, but I have, I could give plenty to the church. Put it that way. That's my right. I can do that. I grew up hunting as a kid. I've had guns. I remember my first gun was a 12-gauge shotgun. No, 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 sorry. It was a 22 that my dad gave me. I can't remember. I think I might have been seven. And taught me how to shoot it. Taught me how to hunt rabbit. I very quickly became better than him. So then he said, we'll switch to the shotgun where he just demoralized me. So I think made him feel better. I got my first shotgun when I was nine, 12-gauge shotgun. It was funny to watch me shoot it because I, I would end up about two feet further back than when I started. See, we have that right here in the United States. What's to stop legal Americans with the wrong intent to buy all the weapons that they need for those who they have planned to bring into the United States. How hard would it be to build an army within the United States? Not hard at all. Not hard. At, it, it blows my mind that this isn't even on the heart of the normal American. It, it blows my mind, except that they're so dialed into their own life that if something is not directly affecting them at the moment, they don't think about it. Well, this is coming. It's coming. It's coming to these shores, to our soil. And so I'm asking the Lord, okay, I know that this is all your hand. This is not the satanic realm being in control. And, and he gave me a picture. It's kind of like when you have, you know, imagine the satanic realm as a pit bull, right? I'll say pit bull because I don't like pit bulls. <laughs> yeah. If it were a shepherd, I couldn't do it because I love shepherds, but... Let's just say it's this big old ugly burly pit bull. Just nasty as anything. And you have this big old choker collar on it and you got this big leash on it. Right there are times through the choice of mankind that God will loosen the hold that he has on the enemy. Because it's our choice for him to do that. It isn't him saying, go sick him, because he doesn't have to. That's embedded in that pit bull's mind. He's just being held back. Don't think for a moment right now that that pit bull is in charge. In fact, he's not. His whole upper echelon of leadership within the demonic realm is gone. We've shared that before through the court of nations. 
So what happens when leadership is gone? Chaos ensues in the lower ranks. That's what's going on. So recognize that what is coming about now is not something that Satan intended. He never intended for things to be revealed like they're being revealed. God is doing it because he is bringing an awareness to his children. It's much like how he brought the law to the children of Israel. Why did he bring the law to them? Did he bring the law to them to govern them? Did he bring the law to them to give them something to do for, you know, throughout the day? No, the Bible's real clear. He brought the law because he knew they would fail in the law. And it would drive their hearts to him. Because they couldn't do it on their own. Same thing he's doing right now. The difference is, it's not him bringing the law that we can't follow. Praise God, he gives us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us the opportunity for relationship with him. We could press into him. We can have that comfort level with him. But it doesn't mean that we follow. It doesn't mean that He is our everything. So there's two things going on, kind of a, an opposite, if you will. He's trying to get the attention of His children that are not paying attention to Him. While at the same time, He's hearing the prayers of the remnant that say, God, this isn't fair. Satan has stolen everything, and yet it was given to your children and paid for by your son. So God is working. He's working. He's bringing all this out. It will continue to come out in the open. So I'm asking him, Lord, that real catalyst of change, where we begin to see a shift, a real shift, and and when I say we, I'm talking about the remnant because the world's not going to see it necessarily in the same way. Neither are others in the bride who wouldn't have eyes to see it. But that real shift comes in this thing that he has promised in the falling of the Holy Spirit. Again, whatever that means. And I said, Lord, I know I've asked you this a million times. Give me, give me an idea of what that means. You have told me that I'll be filled with your Holy Spirit. That you will do things through me that literally it is a possession of the Holy Spirit But what's that look like? And he gave me this vision. And I'm going to do this publicly. Jenna, I need you. (laughs) 
and you'll be at the board. I want you to get your electric guitar. I want you to leave it off back there. Otherwise, we'll hear a big bang. Unplug it. Um, where's the... Here, turn her mic on real quick. Okay. Test, test. Oh. Okay, I, I could have done that myself, just saying. Okay, so, now I want you to strum that thing. Go, keep going. Isn't that beautiful? So pretty. Okay, but honestly, it's not even as good as an acoustic guitar. An acoustic guitar would have had a much more melodious sound. It would have been beautiful, would have been refined and everything else, right? Plug in. Now it's on back there, right? Give it some volume. Not enough to send us to the hospital or anything, but can now play. I'm not even, you know. Thank you very much. Harry, you can turn that off since apparently I don't have the capability. Do you see the difference? What was the difference of what she just did? It wasn't anything she did. It was the power. And that's what the Lord showed me. He said, he, he gives me this vision of this electric guitar and and some guy strumming it, and it's tink, 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 tink. And he said, now watch. I plug it in with my spirit. And then all of a sudden, just this immense sound. That's the best he could get me to understand of what was coming. And that is even a tiny amount of the explanation His power is Him. It's Him. It's not some list of things that we get to do because, awesome, I'm filled with His power, so now I can speak in tongues, I can pray over the sick, I can do this, I can do that. I can turn water into wine. Or when things come, I can, you know... Get a finished steak on the grill when we have no food. It's not that. It is the very power of God manifest through His children here. For what purpose? Because it's a long time to wait when you've been waiting 2,000 years for your children to have what you gave them and paid for 2,000 years ago. It's a long time to wait. Wow, I think God's pretty patient. Think about it. We have a hard time waiting two months. He's waited 2,000 years. He's waited for... Certainly, those who would say yes, no matter what. 
willing to pay the cost no matter what. Whatever that cost is. And so often that cost is focus. Because, see, we have to live in this world. We have to have a job. We have to have relationships. We have to, you know, move and operate in this world. And the Lord's saying, okay, but if that's your focus, you're putting the cart before the horse. If you focus on me, the Lord says, and let me do the rest of that. Man, when I finally got that, Ten years ago, my life changed. You know, you guys know my background. I'm, I have a business background. Sometimes going to bed at night, sleepless nights, thinking, I don't know that what things are going to look like in the morning. May not have a business or may not. I, I remember after 9-11 happened because... We were so tied into that industry. I mean, we lost two of our clients in Tower 2 of the World Trade Center. I remember thinking, I I don't even know if we'll have a business. Every night I'd go to sleep. Man, I wish I knew then what I know now. The business was never mine to begin with. It was his. My only responsibility was to steward whatever he decides to give me. When you start to get that in your mind, and the priority becomes him first no matter what, all of a sudden you start to see things like relationships get stronger. Or in some cases get cut off. You see his provision come in ways that you can't do anything but sit in awe of what he does. And he does this because he has just been waiting. He has been waiting for this army to rise up. And to recognize (coughs) that he is not the one that ever planned To do it all. It was his remnant bride in unity together and in unity with his son that would move forward and do it. And we are at that time in history now. He's about to plug in. I expect it any moment. I know that He will do it. This week, He has taken me to the book of Joel. I want to I go there. But I want to share something first. Dreams, <laughs> dreams can be really cool. They can also be really frustrating. I don't know about anybody else. I had a really frustrating one last night. And I don't remember my dreams. Usually if I remember a dream, it's significant. And this one, I'll just share it real quick. It probably has nothing to do with anything, but I'll share it. I fly a lot. And I was with two other people. I don't know who they were. 
but I was with two other people going to an airport that I was familiar with. I don't know why I felt it was BWI, but whatever, which is funny because I don't actually go out of BWI a lot. Um, But I was going to this airport trying to find the terminal. I had two bags. You know, I I usually have carry-ons. So I've got these carry-ons, this backpack and this carry-on bag. And I'm trying to find the terminal and nothing looks the same. In fact, it doesn't even look like an airport. I'm walking through the streets. I'm walking and just changing and us going through these buildings to go to the other side of the building to see if maybe that looks like an airport. Nothing looked like an airport. Weird thing, it started to look like an amusement park. And not a fun one. <coughs> More like dilapidated. But yet chock full of people. All moving in sequence. And they would, you know, I'd, I'd ask, you know, where's the terminal? Where's this? Where's that? Oh, come this way and, you know, get in line with, with the synchronized movement of the group. And, and I remember setting down my stuff. And I don't know if I represented myself in the dream or not. I kind of hope not. But I set down my stuff and I'm, and I'm trying to find, because I thought, well, let me find this because I keep carrying this stuff around and it, it's just, you know, getting difficult to carry around. And I'm looking around and, and I get in and I'm, I'm kind of walking along with them and, and that's when it became an amusement park. And I'm like, okay, this is whacked. You people don't know what you're talking about. You don't even know where you're going, let alone where I need to be. So I broke off and I I go around and I look and I find myself back at the beginning where I was and I look down and there's my luggage. And this is on the side of a road and I thought, oh, thank the Lord nobody stole it. Thank you. But then I look at my watch and I remember, I don't remember the hour, but I remember the minute hand was on the thirty. And I knew my flight left at 10 after. So I had 40 minutes to get on a flight that usually closes 15 minutes early. And I can't even seem to find the airport apparently. Even though it was there somewhere. When I woke up, I was very frustrated. And asking the Lord, what in the world? What does that mean? You know, I mean, maybe maybe that wasn't from you, Lord. Maybe that was from the enemy, and he just wants me to be frustrated and, and whatever. Because I actually have missed flights before. But not because I was lost, because I was stupid. That was when I was younger. So I'm like, Lord, what, what is it? He said, no, it's from me. And he said, you have to understand something. Things are about to change. Things are going to change to where you don't recognize your surroundings. You don't recognize the things that you can count on or the things that you know. But I'll always get you where you need to be. Don't worry about the time. 
I'll get you where you need to be. And then again, he took me to the book of Joel. I want you to turn to chapter 2. Joel is a very interesting book, as with so many of the minor prophets. Because studying these for the last 35 years, prior to the understanding that I have now, I used to equate it all with tribulation period and that sort of thing. And what I'm finding is it's actually opposite of that. So many of the minor prophets speak of a time in which we're in right now. The book of Joel speaks of a time that we're in right now. I had a dream, and I'll tell you this one of the dream because this one does have to do with this. I was reminded of this this morning. I had this dream, and I'm frustrated that I didn't write it down, but Michael helped me remember some of it. I remember in this dream, I'm moving through a city. And what, what are those guys called? Those people that jump? Parkour? Okay, you ever watch that on YouTube or whatever, where they're literally jumping from building to building. And, you know, it, they look like this. This, you know, Spider-Man type thing, but yet it's real. Like they, they have nothing to hold them or whatever. They, they just jump off a building 20 feet down, roll and keep running and jumping and they go everywhere. You know, one guy will start at the bottom of this three-story building and 20 seconds later he's on top of the roof. No ropes, no anything else. They just know how to do it. <coughs> so I had this dream and I'm moving through this city just like that. Like there was nothing that could stop me. I, I could go from from a, a roof all the way down to the ground, all the way back up to another roof, from roof to roof, whatever. I could go wherever I wanted to go. And the thing that was amazing is it wasn't slow. It was like really fast. And I would move and I would go into a window and I'd come out the door of, say, a house or an apartment. I'd move from a building, and there were no barriers. I mean, there might have been a barrier there, but it didn't stop me. And never did it even slow me. And I remember in the dream thinking, this is so cool. Like, this is wild. Nothing could stop me. Again, the Lord reminded me of that dream, and then he took me to Joel chapter 2. Let's just read. Now, by the way, before, in Joel chapter 1, which is one of the minor prophets, he talks about, the Lord talks about how the locusts have eaten. The locusts have stolen. And and in in the, you know, as with... Most everything in the Word of God, especially the Old Testament, it's with the idea of Israel in mind. But you have to understand that we're adopted into that family. 
he's talking about more than just Israel. In fact, he's talking about his children. But in chapter 1, he talks about all the loss that the locusts have eaten and taken away. And there, there were a first band of locusts, and then what was left, a second band came and took the rest. I think that's what we're in now and where we've been for a long time. Where the enemy has come and taken away. I mean, I'm almost 60 years old. And the United States does not look like it did when I was 10. I mean, honestly, it doesn't look like it did when I was probably 45. It's a different place. Satan has stolen over and over again, specifically here in the United States, He's stolen from the bride starting back in the early 60s when prayer was taken out of schools and then through abortion and through everything else. So all this theft has happened. Then chapter 2, verse 1. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming It is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness there is spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful people, their like has never been, has never been before, nor will be again after them through the years of all generations. I want you to picture in your mind what the Lord is saying here. He's talking about an army. He's talking about a force that's never been seen before, will never be seen again in its capacity. This is a big deal. Verse 3, Fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. You can imagine, if you've ever seen video footage of these big locust swarms that hit fields, ripe fields, the the field just looks beautiful and ripe before it hits. And then it hits, and afterwards, it's desolate. It's just gone. It's stripped in literal moments. It's fully stripped. That's what he's describing here. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses. And like war horses they run. As with the rumbling of chariots they leap on the tops of mountains. Like the crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble. Like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them, people are in anguish. All faces grow pale. Which means the people see this coming. This is not a surprise. This is not a surprise attack like what happened to Israel the day before yesterday. They see it coming. So somehow, this is announced before it happens. Kind of like 
when the people in Jericho saw Israel cross over the Jordan. What did Rahab say? He said that they're in fear. They're not ready to fight. No, they're in fear. They know that your God is with you because they saw what he did to the Egyptians. They were in fear. That's what's going to happen with this horde, this army. So their faces grow pale. Like warriors, verse 7, like warriors they charge, like soldiers they scale the wall, they march each on his own way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They hit those barriers and nothing stops them. Nothing. They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened. And the stars withdraw their shining. What a picture. What a picture of awe and devastation. And if you didn't read any further, you would think, man, Satan gets to do it again. Why does he always get to take advantage of people? Bring that devastation. Take away from the church. But then you keep reading. Verse 11, the Lord utters His voice before His army. These are not Satan's. This is the Lord's. This is His army. For His camp is exceedingly great. He who executes His word is powerful. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Can't remember when it was. A year, maybe a couple of years. I can't remember. Year and a half. It wasn't a couple of years, but maybe a year ago. I don't know. I'm so bad with timing. We started to see these angels. And. You know, when you see in the Spirit, you see different types of angels, right? You could see uh, ministering angels. You could see warring angels. We have seen very, very, very large warring angels. We've seen uh, the few times that I have seen in the Spirit, I saw angels with no wings. And they were warring angels that were in synchronicity. and, And that was the first time the Lord opened my eyes. But recently, we started to see angels we had not seen before. And they were angels on horseback. And I, I, I 
don't recall, but they were wearing specific colors. And, and like, even in the vision of them, I mean, knowing that they're on our side, even with that, it gives you a feeling of trepidation. Like, oh, man. I almost feel sorry for the enemy. Almost. Not quite. But we started to see them, and then we started to see them by the thousands and by the tens of thousands. And I, I remember asking the Lord, I, Lord, what, what are these? Who are these? And he said, that's my army. And he pointed to Joel. You have to understand, this army is not coming. This army's here. They are already here. They are already assembled. They are already waiting order. I don't know what that order is. I don't know when that order comes. But I do know that when it comes, it moves in a fashion in which it's not stopped. I asked the Lord, when, when will I know that that motion has started. He said, when I give you my Holy Spirit. It's keyed in to that filling of the Holy Spirit. That thing that without is barely a strum. But when plugged into his power, becomes an overwhelming sound. That's what's coming. By the way, that army are not just those horses because everything God does, mark this down, this is really important to understand. Everything God does that He manifests in the Spirit will also manifest in the physical. And it will be coupled or unified with those who would carry out his will. That's why it's not just about sitting around and watching this army of horses and their riders trample everything. Do you understand that God is calling those to lead that army because he desires the agreement in this realm with his children goes all the way back to Genesis when Adam and Eve were created and given the command to steward God could have stewarded it himself. He could have done it in a breath. He didn't need to create anyone or anything to do that. But yet he did. Because for God, the number one thing was relationship. And he wanted a relationship with his creation to steward his creation. 
That principle has never changed, nor will it ever change. So when you're on your knees before the Lord, asking Him for this or for that, what you need to be asking Him is, Lord, what's my role? What's my role in this? I want to fulfill that role, whatever it is. I want to fulfill that role. I don't want to be caught looking elsewhere, not understanding. Because here's the other thing. Once that guitar is plugged in, it has that power and that sound until it's turned off. So there's a responsibility. If I were to take that and play a song for you, you'd say, oh, yeah, you don't know how to play the guitar. Because I haven't taken the time to learn that. Whereas Jenna could get up there and play a song and it'd be sweet to our ears, right? It's no different in relationship with the Lord. Even right now, the Lord is teaching you how to play. You have to let Him. Don't be afraid of the difficult things you go through because those are the lessons. Those are the moments that you say, not my will, but yours. Yours be done. And I want to give you a little clue. Don't assume an answer. If you have a conflict with somebody or something, don't assume the Lord is trying to teach you just to always make peace. Maybe He's trying to teach you how to make war. Now, don't assume that either, by the way. This is not a license for you to just make war on your own. It's a license for you to press into the Lord and say, your will. Because Jesus said 2,000 years ago, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Because his children deserve to be with their father deserve to have that capability of relationship that was not there before that's what jesus paid for that's what was lost in genesis 3 in the garden when adam gave it away so this this battle is coming and don't be afraid of it when it does. I'm going to end with this one thing, and hopefully I could find it in here. Um, hold on. In the last 18 months, roughly, <coughs> in the last 18 months, the Lord has sent me to five different continents. And I want to say it's 12 different countries and has had me declare in these places. In the places he had me declare, he had me declare the same thing. 
the entire leadership team, in fact, Tewase was with us, the Lord had us go down to Washington and make this same declaration in Washington, D.C. He had me make this declaration in Europe, several places in Europe. He had me make the declaration in the Middle East, overlooking Israel. I was standing on Mount Nebo, and he had me give this declaration. He took me down to South America, to Sao Paulo, Brazil, and he had me give this declaration there. He's had me give this declaration in Africa. There are only two places, two continents in the world that he has not taken me to yet, and he has said they're coming, and that is Australia and Russia. Can't wait. Not sure how he's going to get me in Russia, but... Spirit travel, Lord? That would be nice. But I want to read just a part of the declaration that was said in each of these places. The Lord of hosts, Jesus Christ, decrees, and I hereby command to a representative angel. Pass through, and the one I'm reading is at the Vatican. We were standing, that was probably one of the toughest ones. He had Alexis go with me, and we've shared that story. It it just was insanely heavy there. We were standing in front of the obelisk in St. Peter's Square, and the Lord had me declare this. Alexis couldn't even stand. So again, I hereby command to a representative angel, pass through the Vatican, or all the other places he had me say this, and all under its control throughout the world, both in property and human resource, and place a mark on the foreheads of the men and women who sigh and groan over all of the abominations that are committed in the world. You will also mark all redeemable children who have not yet reached an age of accountability. When the pass is complete... Now, by the way, these are his words that he gave me. There was, this wasn't me making something up. This was what he gave me to say. When the pass is complete and all to be marked are marked, I then release an angel of death to pass through this place of influence and their governing governing areas globally, and you are to strike. Your eyes shall not spare, and you shall show no pity. Touch no one on whom bears the mark. They are to be left alone and protected. See, it's not like the tribulation where God had those who accepted the mark of the beast were bad. It's the opposite of that. Mark those who have a heart for what is good. He didn't say, he didn't have me declare, mark those who know the Lord Jesus Christ the Savior. He didn't say that. Effectively, he said, mark those whose heart care about the abominations going on care about the atrocities going on against 
mankind. Mark them, for they will be spared. There's coming a point. That point could be right at this very moment where that army is released. It will move about the city, move about the countryside, where nothing will stop it. Nothing. It will be hungry to look for those who do not have the mark. I know that kind of sounds opposite of what we all grew up thinking. Because it's a different time. This is not the tribulation. This is God's readying of his bride. And I, I asked the Lord. No, I'll leave that. This army's no joke. But this army is to bring the will of God to bring the nations to a place where the nation worships God, recognizes Him. That's what He means in Psalm 82 when He says, I, or in, in, sorry, yeah, Psalm 82, where He says, I will take back the nations. It, it's not just to make like using America as, as an example, it's not just to make us kind of like how it was when I was 10 years old. You know, where, where kind of everybody kind of had a feeling of, well, there is a God and, you know, some people worship him this way. Some, It won't be like that at all. This nation is going to worship him. Man, you hear it. From the prophets, I, I oh, I, I heard a prophecy. I, I don't know, probably a couple of months ago now, of of an opening of Congress and a pastor praying, being filled with the Holy Spirit in Congress at the opening prayer of for the for the whole fiscal quarter or whatever it is, and revival breaking out on the floor. And someone coming up to him and saying, what's going on? Just like they did to Peter. And he said, this is the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus in whom we serve. And then it wasn't about, well, let's get to the work of the Congress. It was about, let's get to the work of worship. God will do the rest. Don't think that that is a far-fetched thing that can't be attained. It will be attained. I declare it in Jesus' name. It will be because this army will be released in God's perfect timing. And God, if you're waiting on some of us to say it, or me to say it, I say it right now. I declare it in Jesus' name. Bring it on now. Your will be done, Father. I know the earth will tremble, but his remnant will be filled with hope. Because this will not take long. It will not take long at all. 
devastation and destruction never does. It happens like that. And this isn't a metaphor. Like, well, I can't wait to see what that really kind of equates to in, in our time and in our world. and everything. No. If you want to take something literally, go ahead and take that literally. That's his vindication. That's his fighting for his children. Alexis, come on up. You can finish us out. I heard something from the Lord this morning, and I I know that I'd asked him to come and speak to us today, and I knew he was going to say something. And I know that he was releasing what he was through Greg. And um, this has only happened to me a couple of times. Um, but he did release a specific word um, that he had me write this time. I thought it was going to be delivered ecstatically. And, um, and I think the reason is because he wanted whatever Greg he gave to Greg to be released first. Um, I will preface this, what I wrote down, with interestingly, um, and I think I had shared it yesterday only at the gifts meeting, but um, a dream that I had that I woke up kind of crying from in disbelief that this happened, but that I was um, at an event or a build, busy building, and um, I had my purse again, and my, it was interesting that he commented the same, I had my purse and, my, and a carry-on piece of luggage. It was like a an event place. It was not an airport, but but I was pursuing a person to get access to my discount. I got a particular discount on some products, and so I was haggling with this person, which in my subconscious perhaps came out in the dream because I actually am haggling with somebody. I got to call them tomorrow because they overcharged me. But I was in this situation trying to make sure that I got what I wanted and needed. And someone came up to me, almost like a, like a valet kind of person that was, and they, and they quickly were like, oh, here, here, here's a slip, here's a slip, I'll take your bags. And so they came up on this side, and I was talking over here, and I remember looking and going, uh, uh, oh, okay, okay, uh, I took the slip. And then I just turned and continued to deal with this issue that was, I was allowing to consume me and didn't think about what was happening, just took the, took the slip. Well, at the end of working it out with this person, I went and turned, and they were still beside me, and I said, my bags. They're, where are my bags? And all of a sudden, I could feel my whole body going into panic, like, oh, my goodness. What? I, I didn't even pay attention. I don't even know what I did with my bags. The, the piece of paper was just a nothing. It wasn't a ticket to, that told me anything. It didn't give me any information, and I panicked. And then I saw, almost like how they have the overflow when people don't pick up their baggage on a belt, just kind of sitting around, I saw some baggage kind of laying there, and I, I didn't see my bag. I didn't see my bag, and I just went over, and I, I just panicked, because what was going through my mind in the dream was everything of value this time is in my bags. All of my best and sentimental jewelry and everything that I need, quote-unquote everything, was in these bags, and I thought, well, this one would really be devastating. You know, it's like sometimes if you lose a bag and there's some inconsequential things in there or whatever, things you don't need, this one was significant. 
So then when I looked to the side, I saw it from afar, and I thought, oh, it's there. And when I went over to it, my bag was overturned. Things were pulled out of it. My carry-on suitcase had been opened up. There was only a couple of scraps left in it. It had been completely plundered. And I realized, what have I done? How did I get so distracted? How did I, how did I not know who was coming to take my... I allowed this to happen. And now what I've lost, I may never get back. And I woke up devastated from it, and I, I knew that the Lord was trying to tell me something. And it, was, it wasn't a distraction necessarily of my life. And I think the broader picture, he's unfolded and unpacked more. I think it was a specific correction even from the day before where he was calling me into the secret place. And I got distracted with one particular task. And it was just a reminder that I need you. It, the only thing he told me from the dream personally was, I need you to be vigilant. I need you to be vigilant. So, again, not thinking much more about that. He had me give a completely different lesson, and not totally completely different, but vigilance was certainly the underlying theme, but I gave something different to the ladies. But when I heard, I heard a phrase over and over, and at first, like we sometimes do, I said, well, surely you're going to deliver the word through Anissa or somebody else this morning, you know, so just... But, but if you're going to give it to me, I give you my yes. If you're going to really, if you need to, you know, release something through me. So I've just been pressing in and listening and um, praying in the spirit and all these things. And, and then during Greg's message, it just, it was like, start writing, start writing. So it's not long, but I will read you what he said. Great turmoil is coming to my church. And by the way, that's the phrase that he has said over and over again since I woke up this morning. This does not, in all caps, need to affect you, but the choice is yours. This is to everyone. Have I not told you to prepare for me? Prepare your house. Prepare your heart. Reminding us that he's been saying it to the prophets. Have I not told you this? I offer only rest all caps the turmoil will capture those unprepared i am your preparation i have said and i don't know why he had this in quotes but he he is in quotations i have said no distractions would you be, and this I felt a heavy weight on this sentence and this question that he asked, would you be distracted by the very things I have given you? You asked, I answered. Would I give you something, anything that would pull you from me? I will not warn much longer. You know me. You hear me. Now, obey me. Now is the time. I, the Lord, have spoken. He knows that his people are hearing him and know him. He's looking for stepping and action and a follow-through with what we already know he expects 
We've been certainly ignition. And anyone who the Lord has released this through online, he's been saying, press into me. Seek relationship with me for years and years and has been so gracious and so patient. And many of us have made powerful heart decisions. But he's asking for the manifest actions, decisions, and movements, if you will, of our being to support what we are saying that we believe. The rest of that interpretation, I, I don't want to add because the words of the Lord are very custom for each person. They mean something different to right where you are. He did have all caps in the word obey. Not much more to say, but one thing that I love is I am your preparation, and boy, he is. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, you are everything we need. You are God, and there is no other. God, you are the source of every longing, every fulfillment of everything that we have, that we think of, that we desire. God, you are everything. You are the very breath in our lungs. Apart from you, as Jesus said, we can do nothing. But I can do all things in Christ Jesus. So God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would heed the words that you have given that we would not allow distractions, and that you would define what that even means, that we would not take a legalistic approach to some sort of striving new form of discipline, but that we would know by your spirit what is a distraction and what is something you're giving as a moment of rest or comfort or relaxation. You said in Corinthians, all things are for our sakes. But there are some things you say not to do in a moment and to do something else. Because everything you lead us in draws us to you if it is you. And so, God, I just thank you. Draw us close to you. Oh, and God, forgive us. Forgive us. For taking the very things you bless us with and putting them before you. Don't let us have that happen. God, I praise you. I praise you for every provision. Even my own children. I know you've tested me in my own life. They were mine to steward. But they are not mine. They are yours. Everything is from you, God. And you are such a good, good Father. I just thank you and I praise you. God, we know that intense times are not only coming but are here now. Oh, but you are always a place of rest. The joy found in you, which is a very fruit of your spirit within us, 
is our strength. Don't let our joy get stolen from the enemy. Which always comes from leaning on something other than you. So God, keep us fixed on you. Keep us so perfectly fixed on you, not looking to the right or to the left, so that we will not be moved when the turmoil seeks to shake us. We will not be shaken if we're standing upon you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for your correction, the discipline, God, that always builds us up, draws us closer, prepares us more for what you have. God, I just love you. I praise you. I worship you, Lord Jesus. And without you, I don't know how to obey. So I thank you that you don't just tell us to obey and then stand aside, but you are with us every step. With every fight of our flesh, you are with us, lovingly guiding, strengthening, rewarding those who diligently seek you. Thank you, God. So we just give it all to you. Easier said than done. But with you, God, it shall be done. I love you and I praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.